emotional well-being and mental health through Jewish sources and interviews with experts and activists. Our host, Karen Miller-Jackson, is a certified Matan Marala Halakha, Jewish educator, writer, founder of Kifun Lashirut Guidance Program for Religious Girls, and creator of Power Parsha. Just as the mikvah waters create the opportunity for renewal, we hope the insights shared here will serve as a springboard for discussion and rejuvenation. Welcome back to this month's Eden Center's Women and Wellbeing podcast. This month, we have a special treat to share. We are entering Chodesh Sivan, the month when the Jewish people accepted the Torah and entered the Brit, the covenant at Sinai with God. Such a big moment could not be taken lightly. It required some preparation and readiness. God understood human nature. People do better when they are prepared, ready, and organized, especially for holidays and for significant events and life cycle events. On this note, after my Torah Insights, I will be interviewing Rebecca Saltzman, who just published her new book, Organized Jewish Life, The Essential Guide for Planning Jewish Holidays, Events, and Every Day. I know I am looking forward to her practical tips and insights. Hopefully you are as well. As I mentioned, the theme of preparation appears prominently in the description of Matan Torah. In the book of Shemot, just before the pinnacle moment of Hashem giving the Aseret Hadibrot, the Ten Commandments, God instructs Moshe. And Hashem said to Moshe, go to the people and warn them to stay pure today and tomorrow. Let them wash their clothes. Let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, Hashem will come down in the sight of all people on Har Sinai. The Talmud in Masachet Shabbat contains debates about how to calculate the days leading up to Matan Torah and how many days the men and women separated from each other. Before receiving the Torah, the nation was instructed to sanctify themselves today and tomorrow and to be ready for the third day when revelation took place. This sanctification was understood as men and women refraining from sexual relations. The rabbis explain that they separated for three whole days, even though this is not explicit in the biblical text. Of course, as Eden listeners, this source reminds us of the experience of practicing Hilchot Nidah. In fact, this Gemara is one of the sources for how to calculate the days of a woman's Nidah status. The Gemara highlights the value of taking time to prepare. The movement toward purity when, when it comes to Nidah over the seven clean days, uh, the concept of Hafifa, intentional preparation for the mikvah, these preparations are all significant. They may sometimes feel like a burden, yet the concept of preparation offers a chance to view this whole period as an opportunity to increase mindfulness about a woman's and a couple's well-being. Another place which teaches the value of taking time to organize oneself, to be mindful, and to prepare before embarking on an activity, on, a, on an act of devotion, is in the realm of tefillah. The Mishnah teaches that the pious men, the Hasidim, would wait an hour before praying to focus their minds on tefillah. Abba Shaul in the Gemara brings a verse from Tehillim which expresses this well, Tachin libam takshiv oznecha. God should direct their hearts, our hearts, so that God's ear will listen to our words. Today's world is filled with so much distraction. We are also all very busy. We are blessed with so much physical, so many physical belongings, so much clutter, whether it's in our closets, our toy rooms, or our kitchens. Taking the time to focus on being organized with mikvah 
with life cycle events and within our daily lives can reduce stress and conflict, can enhance happy times, and help us get through difficult periods in our lives. Join me in my conversation with Rebecca Saltzman as she shares her pearls of wisdom and helpful advice. Chodesh Tov and Chag Shavuot Sameach. Rebecca Saltzman is a personal organization expert and a sustainable lifestyle leader in the Jewish community. Decluttering, reducing waste, and a simplified Jewish life are all married in her premier book, Organized Jewish Life, The Essential Guide to Planning Jewish Holidays, Events, and Every Day. Rebecca lives in Haifa with her husband and three children. She is a certified Eden Center Kala teacher and Balanit. Every week, Rebecca helps people all over the world declutter in popular virtual decluttering sessions called Power Hours. Follow her on Instagram at BalaganBegan or on her podcast, Journey to Organization. Her website is BalaganBegan.com. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks so much for joining me today for the Eden Center Women and Wellbeing podcast. It is so nice to be here. Thanks so much for having me. It is our pleasure. I want to wish you a Mazal Tov on your new book. Uh, Oh, thank you. This is very exciting and I've been enjoying reading it. (laughs) I forgot to even ask you. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we really hope to be here a bit more about your book and be inspired by it as we go on. So we'll begin with the the beginning, which is, I would love for you to share with us how you got interested in organization uh, and and Balagan began and how you came to relate it to the Jewish calendar. Okay. So I was always interested in organization ever since the time I was like in high school, my dad used to say, oh, you have CFRD, compulsive furniture rearranging disorder. Like I used to rearrange my furniture all the time to try to get the best configuration of my bedroom. When I was a teenager, I did it all throughout college. <laughs> um, and on the side for like side hustle, I used to do some personal shopping. But what I realized was, was I can't shop for other people unless I first clear out their closet. And I all of a sudden realized I really prefer that to actually finding like going shopping for them. So as a side hustle throughout college and just, you know, in life in general, I used to help people declutter, move, pack, unpack. I just really get a lot of joy out of playing Tetris with things and like trying to make things fit and figuring out where things go. But over time, I realized like it can't just be about fitting things in boxes because that doesn't like make for a better life if everything is boxes. It looks pretty and it feels good, but it's not a sustainable system because it doesn't last like long enough. And what I realized was that Judaism had all, has a lot of thoughts about organization and time management and how we should be relating to our things, how much, how much we should have, how little we should have, what we should have. Um, And it was really, really interesting to me. And in 2012, I simultaneously took a course called Jewish positive thinking. And I read this book called zero waste home. And what I realized was I was working as a designer. I'm like, I don't do anything good for the world. I don't make products that people like. They just end up in the landfill and Mm -hmm. they take a lot of resources to make. And I want to do this anymore because I want to be working in a place where I'm helping people, where I not only make the world a better place, but I make individuals' lives better. And so 
I quit my job and I started a personal organization company and I haven't looked back since. Um, and wow. it's been a really, really amazing experience seeing how much I can affect change, even just by helping like one family, how it like ripples into the much uh, larger stratosphere of things, because you know, if you help one person, you help a lot of people because they affect other people. And when one person can function better, other people can function better. And I think that that makes a huge difference and it's really gratifying for me. Um, as far as my book, uh, when my mom passed away in 2020, I mean, we all knew she was going to pass away. Uh, she had stage four cancer, um, but we didn't expect it to sort of be so quick. She ended up having Corona. Um, in any case, we knew it was coming. And I, being the Girl Scout that I am, was trying to prepare myself. And I read like all these halacha books about death and mourning. But when push came to shove, I couldn't really remember any of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have the books with me anyways, because I had borrowed them. And I needed something that I could just hand off to my husband and be like, here, can you take care of this? And he would have done whatever I needed, but he didn't know what to do either. Mm. And that was just, it was like, Oh, okay. I need to create a list of all the things I did and put this on my website so that other people are never in this situation either. And mm. I'm like, okay, who's going to want that? <laughs> it's so like morbid, right? Who wants a death checklist? And then I was like, and even if I do this and people do want it, who's going to find it? Mm. How will people see it? Like, how is it not going to just go into the abyss that is the internet? So I decided, okay, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a book of checklists that are all like how to navigate through Jewish life cycle events. Mm. And so I started doing that and I'm like, wait, back up the bus because it's not just Jewish life cycle events. People are always asking me, how do you get ready for Pesach and Shavuot? And how do you manage with doing no laundry during the nine days or Chalmoid? And like, how do you do all these things? Right. So I reconfigured what I wanted to do and I made the book into three sections. So the first section is Jewish um, holidays. The second section is Jewish life cycle events. So everything from birth to death. And I included things like the mikvah and getting married and the wedding night and getting divorced and how to prepare for death and how to sit Shiva and all those kinds of things that no one really ever talks about. Um, and, and then the final section is what I call adulting. It's like how to combine those two aspects of your life in real world, practical application. How do you set up your kosher home? How do you set up your kosher bedroom? How do you set up, uh, you know, insurance? How do you choose the right home in the first place? Like, what are all the things that you need to consider when you're doing something? What do you do if you have an accident, fire safety, um, alcohol safety, like things that we don't talk about necessarily as a community, but are really, really relevant to us because we do a lot of things with fire and alcohol <laughs> and, you know, we need to, we need to understand how to use these things safely. And I, I wanted just a resource that was like something, a handbook to the Torah, you know, like here's, there's the Torah, right. And then here's like your practical application of how to do things in 2022, and I think it makes a really big difference because a lot of people just don't know how to apply 
these older, you know, traditions to, to, to living in a modern world. And there's no like paskening halacha or anything like that. It's just, you know, here are some things you should, here are things to discuss with your rabbi. Here are things, you know, you should know about, because what I found is that having, knowing what you don't know makes asking questions to whoever you need to ask more productive. And no one wants to waste anybody else's time and no one has extra time to waste. So if you can like quickly read about X, Y, or Z, and then know to go to your Rav or your doctor or your accountant or your lawyer or whomever and Mm -hmm. say, I know this might be an issue. Can you tell me more about it? Mm -hmm. And what it does is it just gives you more information and it allows you to know or to understand what you don't know. Mm. Or that there is something you don't know. Yes. And also to cope. This this right. is the well-being podcast, of course. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's so as I'm hearing, as I'm listening to you, it's it's speaking to me on so many levels. I think, you know, major life events, whether they are tragic or or very happy events, can be a source of growing closer as a family, as a couple, can also be a source of tremendous tension and stress. And, uh, and you know, when, when I studied the laws of Avelut, one of the really um, challenging but beautiful things is there's a period of time between the death and the burial where a person who is a mourner is not, is, is exempt from all mitzvot, is exempt from a lot of things, they're an onen. And, right. and there it's, it's almost saying, similar to what you're saying here, we recognize that you are completely overwhelmed at this moment. And it's almost like a moment to breathe, pause. Yeah. And then if you have at your fingertips some, something to help you move forward, it's, you know, it's, a, it's an incredible, it's an incredible resource and can make for what would normally be very tense, make it very, um, very positive, uh, you know, relatively, um, it should only be something that people go less traumatic, less traumatic. Thank you. Um, and certainly for the happier times and for the holidays, a much more positive experience. You know, we, I always joke with some of my friends, you know, we, we sort of do Thanksgiving, (laughs) In Judaism, you know, every Shabbat or several times right. a year for Hagim. And it's, it's a lot. And sometimes we don't give ourselves that, that recognition and being organized for it certainly um, could make that. Well, I think what happens when you're organized is that things like Jewish holidays become less stressful. And what I always find, okay, so especially around Pesach, I do a Pesach 36 day pre-Pesach challenge to help you like declutter and get ready. Um, You're stricter than the rabbis. The rabbis say 30 days. (laughs) It's actually 45. I started before Purim. But the reason why I started so early is because I know that the earlier you get all the garbage out, like all the stuff you don't need. Um, the easier the Pesach prep actually is. So it's not like decluttering is necessary for Pesach. It's just that it makes Pesach easier because you know what you need in terms of clothing for your family. You know what you need in terms of anything else miscellaneous. And like you've set yourself a schedule and you've given yourself time to ease into it. What I found is, is that um, in order for, I, I guess people come to me and they're like, I'm so stressed out. And I'm like, okay, this is a happy thing. Pesach is happy. Like we're celebrating freedom. You don't want to feel like you're a slave at the Seder, right? Like 
in order to feel happy, you need to pace yourself. You need to give yourself time and space. And that's what less stuff and organization allows us to do because there are so many things that are out of our control. Mm -hmm. But when we have less physical things to worry about, it's actually easier to manage life when it gets out of control. Yes. And it's easier to make a shift. Like I know someone was sitting Shiva this week and, or her husband was, and she says to me, I got that, got to get the house tidied up. And that wasn't something that was even on like the radar for us. Like the house was tidy. Yeah. There were lots of things we had to do, but like that wasn't, that that's not even like what happens when, when something, you know, comes up for us because that's not a thing. Like we just live in a, in a, like there are definitely times when our house is less tidy than others, but I, I just find that having less allows us to manage the stuff which mm-hmm. means that our stuff works for us. We don't work for our stuff, yeah. which is amazing if you think about it, because how much time do we devote to keeping our stuff tidy? And that just, I don't know, it doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't feel like a productive way to spend our time. Yeah, there are things we have to do. We got to do dishes. We got to do laundry. We got to wash the floor. Like those are not things that are going away. Laundry is never at laundry zero, you know, yeah. but Never, (laughs) you know, Uh, right. But if you have fewer clothes, it's a lot easier to manage the laundry. And people think that I'm nuts when I say that to them, but it's just, it's really the truth because it's like, there's just less to take care of. I I can't even explain it. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. It's, I imagine a very big adjustment for some people and uh, work in progress, right. certainly work in progress for me, but uh, I aspire. <laughs> you will get there. Thank you. So I want to change tax a little bit and um, I want to talk about Eden. I know you've taken Eden courses and uh, you've in fact written in your book about uh, the positive impact of being organized and being able to keep track of a woman's nida status, of menstrual cycle, and of mikvah and what you need to do for the mikvah. Uh, so I would love for you to tell us a little bit about what you've, you know, your ideas related to that in the book, and uh, specifically to think about how being organized in the bedroom and around mikvah uh, can, can enhance intimacy in couple relationships. Okay. So first of all, I am certified by the Eden Center as a Balanit and a Kala teacher. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They were really great courses. If you are on the fence about taking one, get off the fence because they're really, really good. And really, really, I learned a lot and they really, really changed my perspective and made the mitzvah of Nida and Mikvah so much more positive for me. Um, actually, when I was writing the book, uh, the person who I went to as my advisor, Mrs. Sima Jacoby, she said to me in one of my early drafts, she's like, it just sounds like everything is really hard for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, there's no joy. And I'm like, you know, there's not. And so I'm like, okay, I am resolving to make a change in how I do this mitzvah. Right. And I don't know, Facebook heard me, Hashem heard me, somebody heard me. And the next day I saw a Facebook ad for the Balani course. And then after I did the Balani course, I enrolled in the college teacher class. Um, what it did for me was it, it shifted my perspective a lot because it allowed me to see 
the whole mitzvah in a brand new, different way. Um, I just want to switch for one second and then say this is that when I go as a personal organizer into people's homes, what always astounds me is the mess in their bedroom, (laughs) in their master bedroom. And what I have always found is that if you get your master bedroom tidy first, and I always like to start in the master bedroom, I think it's the best place to start for most, for, for 90% of the people that I work with, that's the best place to start. But it always is surprising to me how people can expect their marriages to be strong and good when the place where their marriage is sacred, where that's their, their space is a mess. And when I say a mess, I don't mean like just, I didn't make the bed today. I never make the bed. I hate making the bed. I can't stand getting into a made bed, but like, if you go into my room right now, there isn't stuff everywhere. Although it's interesting you say that because while I was thinking, as you were talking about the bedroom, you know, it's the first place you see when you wake up in the morning, it's almost, you know, how you start your day and you look at look around you. Uh, And although, and I have read that that interestingly, people who get up and make their bed right away, it does sort of set the tone of the day and they, they tend to yeah. start the same thing, but I guess it's not your thing. <laughs> I don't buy that, but I think that the room needs to be tidy. You know, I definitely, I definitely think the floor should be clean. The stuff should be put away. Like if you, how can you expect to be intimate with somebody? And I don't just mean physically intimate. I mean, like emotionally intimate with somebody in a place that doesn't feel calm. It doesn't, it feels chaotic. Like how do you connect to somebody when there's so much chaos around? Mm -hmm. And I think that when we can have respect for our space by keeping it clean and tidy, it, it enhances our relationship exponentially because it allows for for lack of a better term, a clean slate. And it's like, I value this space. This space is important to me. Like you wouldn't walk into a shul and it's not a mess when you walk into shul, you know, like it's clean because this is someplace that's spiritual and holy, right? Like it's not a mess, (laughs) hopefully, but, but don't you feel Amazing when you walk into a shul where it's beautiful on the stained glass windows and the paintings and the Aaron Kodesh is beautiful, right? Like you feel really, really great and spiritually uplifted when you're in a place that's beautiful. And I'm not saying you need to have like the most perfectly designed bedroom. I'm saying you allow spirituality and intimacy and connection to come into your life when your space is beautiful and clean and organized. And I think we forget that a lot of times because so many times people say to me like, oh, it's our Shabbos. We just put everything in a bag and we stuffed it in our room. Mm-hmm. Like, hello, how is that helpful? Right. I know that you did it in an urgent situation and it was like a last minute thing, but could you imagine if you didn't have to do that, how great your life would be? Right. Right. And it's like, and also this element of bringing in Shabbat by that preparation in the same way that we do before Nida, before Mikvah, right. and uh, be- the Jewish people did before Har Sinai. Right. So there's a lot of times throughout the Jewish life cycle where we need to prepare. I mean, everything is basically preparation. And 
preparation is easier when there's less around, like when there's less noise, but also when you have a setter to things. So for example, I find I have to, uh, this is a plug for Mikva calendar. (laughs) I I mean, I cannot even believe how much my life changed for the better when I started using that app. Like it was just like, Oh, all of a sudden I don't have to be responsible for counting days anymore. And it's just sending me a text message telling me what I have to do when I have to do it. And it's like, it's one thing off my plate. And that is a huge part of organization is automation. When you can let somebody else do work for you, that's huge. Like, um, that was like life, <laughs> like life changing for me. Um, but yeah, like there is a lot of preparation involved and counting and, it's easier when you have tools to do that. And when there's less on your plate, so you have less to worry about. Like if you're using an app to track, there's, there's no surprises. Yeah. Like, you know, what days you need to check yourself, you it's alerting you. All you got to do is keep your phone tidy so that you can notice (laughs) the alerts and, and you'll be good to go. So like, yeah, there's definitely things you need to do. Um, cleanliness maintenance that you need to do with your phone, with your computer, with, with your life in general, but all these tools make our lives so much better if they're used in conjunction properly and they make a huge difference. So I'm definitely a fan of automating and outsourcing whenever you can. Um, yeah. And what's, what's your greatest, this is, um, it might be a little too, uh, put you on the spot, but what's your greatest tip for preparing for Mikva night? Uh, what do you think is the most helpful thing? So preparing for Mikva has really changed for me. God willing, this year we'll be celebrating our 20th anniversary okay. and, um, thank you. And I have found that my relationship to the Mikva over the years has changed a lot. And Corona has changed my relationship to the Mikva a lot. Um, what I find is that I use the days leading up to the Mikva for self-care. Um, so I, I don't wear nail polish at all. So this is not like an issue for me, but, um, I like, to, I go get a pedicure like the day before I supposed to, or the day of I'm supposed to go to the Mikva and I never get nail polish anyway. So it's not a big deal, but like, um, and I know nail polish is a whole nother I personally don't wear it for health reasons. And so it's not a thing for me, but like I go and I get a pedicure because it's like, that's my time yeah. to, to take a minute, look at my body and see where, where it's at. Like, I also try to take as much time with my body in the days leading up to the mikvah as possible, because that's when you notice things changing about your body. That's when one of the times between the start of your period and like, I don't know, three days after the mikvah, that's like when your body is going through a significant of changes rapidly. And, um, this is a whole nother podcast and we could talk about this if you want, but there's aspects of time management for women related to your cycle. So women go on a monthly cycle and men go on a 24 hour cycle in terms of how they manage their time and how their body affects their time management. But what I like to do is I find that 
if you are monitoring and tracking your body, you're able to notice changes when they happen. And it's less of like, oh gosh, I had a problem, but I'm not sure when it started. And it's more like, yep, it started between the last, like the last periods. And I noticed it and there was spotting or there wasn't spotting, or I didn't get my period or whatever it was. And it's like very easy to have a conversation with your doctor. If something's coming up, because one of the things about tracking your cycle means that you know where you are in your cycle. Yes. Um, and that's huge for your, for your physical health. Um, a lot of people say your period is like your sixth sense. Like it's the one that's telling you about what's going on with your hormones and your body. And um, it's important to track it and monitor it and understand it. Yes. So, so did I answer the question actually? Yeah. So- yeah. We had a little, um, <laughs> which is fantastic. Uh, very interesting. I love the self-care. I think that's a wonderful tip. Uh, One of the things I'll just say that really changed for me with the Eden course is that I used to look at getting ready for the mikvah as like a total burden. Like, why doesn't my husband have to do this, these things for me? <laughs> but like, but actually, if you think about it, I mean, it's not such a big deal when you're like a Kala and the first time and you don't have any kids, but after you have a lot of kids and a job and, and a husband and a house, and there's a lot of demands on your time, you're yeah. less likely to look at your body and to track it. And yeah. so what the mikvah demands of us requires us to do is actually look at ourselves. Is my breast in a different position? Is, you know, something coming out of something that it's not supposed to be coming out of. Like, did something change color? Like it forces us by looking at our nails, by looking at our face, by looking at our cleaning out our ears, like yes. all these things force us to, to critically conscious look at, of, right. I hate to use the word critical, but like conscious objectively yeah, look <laughs> at our bodies and say like, Ooh, is there a, is there an actual problem here? Yeah. And, and that for me was a game changer because it's like, when you can shift from why isn't my husband doing the same preparation to I'm doing this as a form of self-care, like this mitzvah is so that I can check in on myself because I'm not probably going to do that at any other time during the month. That's a game changer or it was for me anyways. Yes. So we, in our last few minutes, um, I'd like to also uh, change topic once again, all related to organizational skills. Of course. <laughs> uh, we, we have many parents listening in and um, I know I have had kids with varying degrees of natural abilities in the world of organization and tidiness. What's your advice to parents who are trying to teach their kids about about being organized and, uh, particularly for kids who it's a weak spot. The most important thing you can do when you are teaching your kid about organization is be patient. You are going to have to work alongside them for a long time because it takes time for kids to develop executive functioning skills, especially kids who are weaker with that skill to begin with. They need guidance. They need love. They need support. Saying clean your room to a kid who has ADHD or some other issue is not helpful because what does that mean? If you're standing in a big mess, you're looking around and you're like, where do I even start? Okay. Now multiply that by a hundred. And that's what your child feels like. Mm -hmm. And if you want your child to do something, you have to be specific with as few steps as possible. So your trucks need to go into the white bin and the Barbies need to go into the green bin. And that's 
that's how you can slowly, slowly start to get them into the mode of cleaning up, but you're going to have to supervise for a long time. Plus my biggest tip for parents is just label everything, label the box that it goes in, label the shelf that it goes on, just remind your kids where everything goes. And that makes it easier for them to clean up because they, they know where to put it. They know where the home is. They don't have to remember the more you have to remember the harder things are. That's why like the Mika app is great, but like the hard, the hardest thing is for them to have to figure it out how to put the puzzle pieces back together. And that's when they give up. So if you can make the puzzle easier for them, totally do that because it'll make your life better in the long run. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit of pain up front, but the return in the end is going to be huge. Amazing. Amazing. So I'll end on that positive note. I want to wish you a lot of Hatzlacha with your new book and I would encourage yeah. everyone to purchase a copy and enjoy the read and let it uh, settle into their life and just enhance positivity in relationships and in their homes. Um, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center whose goal is to reinvigorate the ancient female ritual of mikveh as a sacred space for women and use it as the natural platform it is to connect to Jewish women's health, well-being, and healthy relationships, enhancing Jewish women and family life. We invite you to visit our website, www.theedencenter.com, to learn more about our work in making mikveh relevant, welcoming, and meaningful. This episode is a product of the Eden Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider sponsoring a podcast in dollars or shekels at bit.ly backslash E-D-E-N-P-O-D. Additionally, give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe.